You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. Chapter 25. A Love Letter to Absent Friends. Dana was light-headed as she left the palace by the front steps, heading for the Mecca shuttle in the hope of catching a ride back to Paris Satellite. Sleep was what she needed. Sleep and a message from each of her three best friends telling her they were alive and well. But she would settle for sleep. She could still feel the imprint of Conrad's fingers upon her, the rough press of his tongue against hers, and the painful ache as they dragged themselves apart from each other again. She wanted him so badly, and now that she had him, she did not want to wait. Sleep was unlikely. Dana swung out of the main doors and clattered down the steps, happily invisible among the glamorous peacock and diamond guests, who didn't even look twice at her with her battered flight suit and pilot short hair. She was no one of importance, and she liked it that way. Dana dodged several frocks lined with feathery collars, only to collide fully with a man in a dark purple evening jacket and light grey shirt. Oh! she exclaimed, as she had the breath knocked out of her, and then again more quietly, as she realised in whose arms she had accidentally thrown herself. Oh! My lord! Vaniel de Winter had his arms around her, to stop her falling down the steps and he made no move to release her. His serious gaze roamed over her in curiosity. Grey eyes, she realised. Dan had never noticed them before, but they were the same shade of grey as his shirt. She imagined they looked even more piercing when he wore his hair bright silver, as he had on Myung Station. Miss Charlemagne, he said in greeting. And there was a note of question in the name. Did he know? she wondered in panic. If Milord was as devious and powerful as Buck had implied, then surely he knew everything by now. Ah, uh, yes, she said, and smiled brightly, remembering the carefree persona she had taken on during their ride on the bullet train. Fancy seeing you here. It's a flying visit, he said, drawing back so that he was not holding her quite so intimately though his hand still brushed her waist. B wanted to attend the ball, and I heard that the Marquise de Wards was likely to be here, so two birds with one stone. Of course, Dana said. Politics, she added, with a wry smile. Vaniel returned the smile easily, and for a moment it was easy to believe that he was exactly what he had seemed to be in the first-class carriage with his chattering sister-in-law. You've not dressed as formally as everyone else, he added. She didn't look at all like the Alex Charlemagne he'd met on the bullet train. He had recognised her without the wig and fripperies. I'm in disguise, she said, twinkling at him. It was a source of great shame to Dana that she had discovered her inner twinkle when pretending to be Alex. But that didn't mean she wouldn't use it when there were no other weapons within reach. Ah! Vaniel, no, my lord, looked amused. I won't ask. Better not. 
They looked each other over for a moment more, and then the formal politician in him took over. He stepped aside and gave Dana an officious nod. I did not think our paths would cross again so soon, my dear. You never know what the solar system has in store for us, she said, trying not to let any of her nervousness show in her face or her voice. Indeed, replied my lord de Winter. They bowed to each other again, and then Dana moved awkwardly around him, so he could head up the steps and into the palace. If de Winter had anything to do with the matter of the prince's diamonds, he was far too late to do anything about it. Dana had beaten him, and Rosnecho, in a single night. Smiling to herself, she hurried off to catch a tram, back to the nearest space dock. The sooner she was back on Paris Satellite in her own bed, the better she would feel, even if Paris without her three musketeers was not Paris at all. Dana slept for twelve hours straight. She had not meant to, but the adrenaline and stress and frustration finally caught up with her. One moment she was clenching her fist tightly, with the memory of how much she had wanted to forget about palace protocols and morality clauses in employment contracts and just suck Conrad Sue into her mouth. And the next, she was lost in the strangest dreams of fencing footwork and crashing spaceships and memories that did not belong to her at all. When Dana awoke in her little box of an apartment, she stared for a moment at the blank white ceiling, not sure if she was on a solar crawler, bullet train or venturer. She was not even convinced that she was Dana d'Artagnan. It took some minutes to believe that she was in her own bed above Madame Sue's workshop. She had seven hours before she was due to meet Conrad at the Fountain of Tranquility, and she had to make those hours count. No more distractions or regrets or heated fantasies. Today was about the loyalty she owed to her friends. After a brief sonic shower, Dana headed out to the workshop. Madame Sue was nowhere in sight. But Planchet tinkered away at her heap of mecca that looked a lot closer to completion than they had a week earlier. Hey, chief, Planchet said, her face open with joy as she saw Dana emerge. Back in one piece, then? I am, Dana said, leaning on the balcony and stretching her neck. I lost track of the others. Can you help me collect them? Of course. What do you need? Dana's eyes flicked to the closed office door. She's not here today. Planchet said cheerfully. Appointments down on Luna Palais. That explains why you're calling me chief while standing in the workplace of your actual employer. Exactly, said Planchet. So I can help, right? She set a large metallic arm down on the floor, eager to start. First things first, said Dana. I need to trace Porthos, Aramis and their engies, which means finding out if any of them got arrested along the way to Valor or if they're hiding out. I need a new comstud that can't be traced to either you or me, access to the private databases of the church, as well as the royal fleet and any many bays between here and Valor, and I need a lot of coffee. Is that all? said Planchet. That doesn't seem like a lot. Good, said Dana, trying not to be cynical in the face of Planchet's exuberance. 
You start with that list, and I'll go around to their apartments and see if they've made it home under their own steam. It would be embarrassing to set off on an entirely unnecessary jaunt back to Vala, just because she hadn't bothered to use the high-tech method of knocking on doors. Dana had spent far too much time sitting in recent days, first the train and then the venturer. Walking off her nervous energy across Paris was a good place to start. Dana had not expected Athos and Grimaud to be home yet, given the shape of the Paris Riposte when she'd last seen them, so she went to their apartment first to get the disappointment out of the way. Aramis was possible. Surely, if she hadn't been too badly wounded, a medipatch or two would have her back on her feet by now, and she would have travelled back to Paris. Porthos was the wild card. Dana had absolutely no idea what had happened to her after the Calais. Perhaps she'd been arrested or wounded like Aramis, or the lack of calm contact between them all was distressing Dana more than she liked to admit. Once she had a clean stud, she could risk getting in touch, even if they were in church custody. But why had none of them reached out to Dana yet? Athos's apartment was empty. Dana had the entry code. Athos's drinking habits meant that all of them had needed to help him get home at some time or another. Inside, Dana looked around, feeling guilty about being here. But not so guilty that she didn't steal one of his jackets. A blue one, that looked even more like a musketeer jacket than the grey disguise jacket he had worn on their mission. You could almost see the outline where there should be a fleur-de-lis symbol on the back. She would return the jacket when Athos had proved to her satisfaction that he hadn't managed to get his stupid self killed. No one replied at Aramis's apartment. Dana couldn't bring herself to leave straight away, and she didn't have the code for entry. She leaned her forehead against the door, willing her friend to be inside, complaining about her broken heart or inhaling too much poetry. Dana had not gone this long without talking to Athos, Porthos or Aramis, since they first dragged her into their company. She missed them so much. While she trusted in their sense of self-preservation, she couldn't help worrying that at least one of them might be lost for good thanks to her mission. Could she forgive herself if Aramis or Porthos had been fatally wounded? Or their engies? Athos had been so worried about Grimaud, what if she didn't make it? Guilt set in, good and proper. As Dana turned to leave Aramis's door, she heard bootsteps nearby. Her heart lifted for a moment, as a musketeer rounded the corner in full-dress blues, but the short blonde hair and light skin was a dead giveaway that this was not Aramis. It was Captain Tracy Dubois. She looked equally disappointed to see Dana. Oh, she said, I had a proximity alert placed on Aramis's door so I'd know when she got back. She's not with you then. No, said Dana. Taking a moment to marvel at the level of stealth technology that Aramis's girlfriend used to keep an eye on her. Only weren't they supposed to be exes now? Interesting. She's not back yet. I'm setting out to collect her shortly. Worry flickered across Dubois's face. What went wrong? I can't talk about it. Of course, I know the score. Dubois probably knew exactly what the mission was about. 
She'd been Conrad's first choice to take the letter to Buck, before he even asked his wife. Still, it was in both of their interests not to say anything aloud in an unsecured corridor. They stood there for a moment, equally awkward. "'Would you give Aramis something for me?' Dubois blurted, her pale cheeks flaring red with embarrassment. "'A letter?' "'Of course,' said Dana, holding out her wrist to accept a shared file stud to stud. Instead, Dubois reached into her own flight jacket and pulled out a flat, crinkling object. The envelope felt brittle in Dana's fingers as she accepted it. Aramis likes paper, Dubois said, shifting back and forth on her feet. Yes, she does, Dana smiled, remembering the heavy poetry and theology books that smelled like dust and dryness. Don't let her burn it or anything before she's read the contents. She can be dramatic. Dubois had recovered her snark and even managed to roll her eyes. I was wrong to end things like I did. I miss her. Will you tell her that if you get the chance? I'll do my best, said Dana, tucking the letter securely in the pocket of Athos's jacket. Porthos's place next. Dana had her hopes up far too high that she would be welcomed by the scent of freshly brewed tea and bread warm from the oven. But neither Porthos nor Bonnie replied to her chime. Dana called through to Planchet, through her comm. Can you crack a door code for me? Sure, said Planchet, without asking why. There was a pause and a tapping sound, and then a high-pitched whine filled the corridor. Every door within Dana's sight buzzed open all at once. Just this one, Dana hissed, hurling herself inside Porthos's apartment and slamming it behind her. Just this one. Oops, said Planchet. Fixed. Sorry. I have the other things you needed, by the way. Brilliant. That was fast. Porthos's apartment was usually warm, with music playing and spices in the air. Today, it was cold. Dana felt a stab of loneliness. Planchet, are you due any leave from Madame Sue? A few days, perhaps? I've got a couple of months banked, but she's good at thinking up reasons why I shouldn't use it, said Planchet. Why? Hey, do you want me to come with? I'll need your hacking skills, said Dana. And I'm going to need an NG. Porthos's apartment had an entire kitchen as a separate room. Dana had found what she was looking for, a small crystal key sphere hidden in a bowl of lemons. You've got a dart, Planchet asked, her voice going up into a shrill tone of excitement. Yep, said Dana, pocketing the key sphere to Porthos's hoyden. I have a dart. We're going to use him to bring the musketeers home. Late shift rolled around. Dana lingered in the palace gardens of Luna Palais, waiting for a rendezvous with a married man. She felt like she had a fully charged power sphere in her chest, vibrating with anticipation. Dana had to admit her head was hardly in the game for flirtation and sexy times. She kept checking her comm for updates from Planchet. They'd mapped several possible medicenters where Bazin might have taken Aramis. Planchet had delved far more deeply into the church arrest records than any civilian ever should, 
and determined there was no arrest record for any of the missing musketeers or Engies. The lack of data didn't have to mean anything. When Athos had been arrested as D'Artagnan, they'd kept him from pinging his true identity. Records could always be faked or erased. Planchet had located the city of Valor, where Athos and Grimaud had been most recently, thanks to the salvage records of a ship that had to be the Paris Riposte. That gave Dana the idea to track Aramis, and possibly Porthos, via the Morning Star. Planchet was working on it. All in all, it was a lot to keep in Dana's head. The sensible thing would be to ditch Conrad. But this thing the two of them had going, the flirting and the kissing and the hands all over each other, it was more of a distraction to Dana than if they'd shagged their brains out already. Getting laid could only simplify things for them both. They could burn it out of their system and get on with their lives, right? Conrad was half an hour late. Had he changed his mind? Dana had flight plans to review and Planchet's comms to monitor, and with one thing and another she was able to distract herself while she waited to find out whether she'd been stood up. The time clicked on towards twenty hundred hours, and there was nothing left to review or check. The Fountain of Tranquility was aptly named. For the first time in a week, Dana had absolutely nothing to do. There was something calming about sitting in the shadow of the dramatic rock formation, watching the artifice water spray in careless perfect patterns across the shadows and smooth lines. She would give him another hour. She had nowhere else she needed to be until tomorrow morning. Dana fiddled with the studs along her wrist, trailing up her arm to the one she kept near her elbow, covered by the sleeve of her flight suit or fatigues. The Prince Consort's opal was empty of information, except for a certification file of authenticity that marked the location and creator of the jewelled stud. It was worth a lot, she knew, even without getting it formally valued. The sun-kissed were rising again, and Dana knew she was more likely to get a commission in the Musketeers during wartime, especially if she could finance her own helm and harness. The opal's value was equal to substantial down payment on a new dart. Dana's dream was closer than ever, but it meant nothing without Athos, Aramis and Porthos to share it with. She heard footsteps against the quartz pebbles of the nearby avenue, and a wave of warm relief and desire surged through her. He was here. He had come to her, finally. Dana d'Artagnan, said a low, husky voice. Fancy meeting you here. Every warm cell in Dana's body turned cold, as if the atmosphere had been sucked out of the lunar dome. That was not the voice of Conrad Sue. Instead, a woman approached from the shadows, stepping into the light of the fountain that illuminated the ragged scar that carved through her beautiful face. It was Special Agent Rosne Cho, radiating smugness. This did not look good. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates, follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly, Find me on Facebook at Tanziara Books 
And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.